You're listening to the International Family Church Podcast. Our ministry philosophy can be summed up in one statement. It's not about building a great church. It's about building a great people. We do this through our regular weekend services, life groups that meet throughout the week, and by helping people connect to their God-given purpose. This year, our focus as a church is having the courage to connect. We believe God created us to live in community with others so we can experience the full life He intends for us. Meaningful relationships can be hard to find, and that's why life groups exist, to make life-changing relationships relevant and accessible to you. There are several types of life groups based on similar interests, such as exercise, food, and finance, support groups that focus on freedom, and topical study groups. Most of all, a life group can become a place where people know more than just your name. They are people that genuinely care about what's happening in your life as well. Our spring life groups are now in session. Check out the life group finder at intlfamilychurch.com to find the perfect group for you. When women gather, anything is possible. This year, we're dedicated to having the courage to say yes to connection and taking steps towards personal and spiritual growth. That's why we're so excited for our New England Women's Convention to return this May from Thursday, May 9th through Friday the 10th. This event's the perfect opportunity for women of every background and age group to gather together to worship Jesus, celebrate one another, and strengthen their walk with God. We want to see you there. So ladies, save the date for this year's New England Women's Convention and visit newconline.com for more info and to register today. Now here's today's message. Are you ready for this morning's brand new series? Come on, let's pray. Let's believe God together. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have to study your word today. I believe the depth of your word today will change us from the inside out. I ask you, Father God, that that we just won't approach your word intellectually. We just won't approach your word kind of with a good idea today, but we'll approach your word with deep respect and honor for what we're about to hear, Father God, can really transform every area of our lives. We believe, Father God, that your word will fall on good ground. And because it falls on good ground and we partner in faith today, it truly will be life-changing. We'll be so careful to give you all the honor and all the glory and praise because we believe that much fruit will come out of the ministry of your word today. We thank you for it. We believe you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we start a brand new series, um, and this is week one of a five-week series entitled, The Cross, Why It Matters Today. It's going to be an outstanding series. This series will take us right through to Easter, and I believe this is the series of all series. I believe because of this series, we get to do all the other series that if it wasn't for what we're going to learn in this series, be reminded of some and others here for the very first time, that because of this, we have the privilege of learning and growing in every area of our lives, but it's because of the word you're going to start hearing today that makes all that possible. Amen. See, in this series, I want to focus on the last six agonizing hours of Jesus's life and the seven statements he made on the cross. See, these seven statements are as relevant in our everyday life today as they were when Jesus first spoke them. I believe if you understand the depth of these seven statements, that you will have a greater appreciation for the enormous price that Jesus paid for for your sin, sickness, and disease. Now, before we talk about these last six hours, 
let's briefly talk about what took place before 9 o'clock. See, 9 o'clock in the morning, Jesus was crucified, and, and he was beaten so severely that he was really beyond human recognition. We understand about the life of Jesus. We understand about the, the, the events that took place before crucifixion happened. In this eternally pivotal moment, you would think all of creation would have rejoiced, would be glad because the creator of the universe, the creator of the universe was taking the time to sacrifice, sacrifice himself for the sins of mankind. It was the greatest, single greatest act of love that the world had ever witnessed. You'd have thought, man, they're rejoicing over the fact that he's about to pay this price, but, but not at all. Not at all. Um, instead of comprehending the supreme price Jesus was paying that day, the crowd was arrogant in their jeering and their mocking and in their scorning. Jesus' body was severely beaten and ripped to shreds by the vicious beating he received at the residence of Pontius Pilate. Roman soldiers in Pilate's court laughed at him and mocked at him and played humiliating games with him. It was the most extreme verbal, mental, and physical abuse that any human being had ever gone through. Then the soldiers jammed this crown of thorns firmly on Jesus' head and pressed it down so that the thorns pierced his skin and scraped his skull, uh, so much so that blood began to uh, ooze from his brow and cover his face. To make it even more difficult today, huge nine-inch iron nails were driven through his wrists and his feet piercing his nerves, sending excruciating pain throughout his entire body. The weight of Jesus hanging by his wrists on that tree dislocated his shoulders and his joints were pulled out of place. He struggled to breathe and eventually his lungs would fill up with, with fluid and he would suffocate and die. Understand, that's not the worst of it. What makes it even more excruciating that Jesus was nailed to that cross, stripped of all his clothing, and it was the height of humiliation and shame. The Jewish culture, public nudity was an affront. It was the greatest amount of shame somebody could experience publicly. Yet Jesus, as a sinless man, endured all this agony, pain, and embarrassment willingly. Why? Why would he do such a thing? Because his death was the price demanded to purchase forgiveness and redemption for the very people that were doing this to him and for every one of us that would be alive. Hebrews 12, too, puts it all in perspective and tells us what Jesus is going through. He said, let us look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, imagine, endured the cross, despising the shame. If you look up those words, endure, despising, and shame, you'll understand this wasn't a pleasant experience. This wasn't something Jesus was looking forward to. This is not even something he wanted to do, but he realized it was his mandate, it was his destiny, and he realized that as he succumbed and 
and submitted to the will of God, the grace of God was upon him. But those words describe how awful of an experience it was for him to go through and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Thank God for Jesus today. Thank God Jesus went through all that he went through today. Amen. Thank God that, that he endured and was despised and put up with the shame and humiliation for each one of us. You know, over the years, I've had the honor of being around some outstanding people who are at the last stages of death. Usually they say many different kinds of things, but sometimes just the simplest things talk and show us the need that they have. Could you please move my pillow? I'm thirsty. Could I please have a drink of water? Or they would be concerned about their loved ones, and, 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 and out of concern, they would say, finally, I love you, or, you know, it's going to be okay. A person's final words reveal what's on his or her heart at the time and oftentimes reveal the nature of a person's faith and hope. In the case of one being crucified, it's a very painful experience and requires great exertion anytime anyone would ever try to speak being crucified. To speak while being crucified would require the victim to pull himself up by his wrists and to somehow stand on his feet that have been pierced with that nine-inch nail and somehow stand up and open their diaphragm enough just to eke out a few words. So you can imagine Jesus seven times saying something during this time of his life. Each word should mean something to us. Each word, you got to know, meant something. Each word out of the excruciating moment that he would actually speak, he would actually say words. And each one of those words, you need to understand. We need to rehearse because when we do, man, we truly get it. There is no doubt about the sacrifice. There'll be no doubt about your salvation. There'll be no doubt about God's love. There'll be no doubt about what Jesus did for you. There'll be no doubt ever again in your life when you truly understand what he put himself through for you, for me, and the words he spoke during that suffering. The first four books of the Bible, actually the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're also called the Gospels. It's here in the Gospels that we find the seven last statements of Jesus. So let's begin our study today, and let's recognize that these final last words of Jesus, uh, how valuable they are, and the first words from the cross, they're recorded by Luke, and, and they're uttered by Jesus just after he was crucified. It's nine o'clock in the morning or so, and he is experiencing the excruciation of such pain like he's never experienced, like a human being could never experience. Most would pass out from the pain. Most would, would not be able to bear it, but here's Jesus aware of his surroundings in the midst of his pain, and he says this, found in Luke 23, 32 says here, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and the other one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. 
for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. It's not surprising that these words of Jesus, these first words spoken by Jesus on the cross was a prayer. What is surprising and haunting and maybe for some disturbing is what he prayed. He prayed, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. A great question for us to ask in the beginning of this series is, who is the them? Or who are the them? From whom, for whom was Jesus praying? Who Jesus was asking God to forgive? Well, I think some of it is pretty obvious to us, of course, praying for the soldiers who cruelly tortured him and crucified him and preparing to gamble for his clothes. He said, Father, forgive them. Then praying for the crowd, and, and, and even now they were uh, beginning their verbal assault against him and shaking an angry fist, and Luke says they were der deriding him and mocking him and swearing at him and so forth. And for them, he prays, Father, forgive them. Then there were the religious leaders torn by their own jealousy and spiritual blindness and conspired with the Roman soldiers to kill him. And this is astonished, astonishing because you can imagine the mercy that Jesus would pray as he hung on the cross is the, one of the most powerful images of all the Gospels when Jesus would say to them in their haughty religious attitude, Father, forgive them. But there's someone else included in Jesus' prayer. Someone for whom Jesus was pleading from the cross for God's mercy to be extended. Listen very carefully. We are among the them. Jesus was praying for us when he said, Father, forgive them. He was saying, Father, forgive Jonathan. Father, forgive Verna. Father, forgive Joshua. Father, forgive Nick. Father, forgive Althea. Father, forgive. Put your name there. Because Jesus was thinking about you. For the joy that was set before him, the verse says. You know who he was joyful about? You and me, the redeemed of the Lord. The people that would be able to reach their full potential. The people that would be set free from every cynical act of hate and crime and bigotry and, and violence. And Jesus was thinking about us, not just thinking about himself, not just thinking about every nerve in his body, excruciating pain, not just thinking about all the, 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 the life that was leaving him and the fluid that was surrounding his heart and surrounding his lungs. And the harder it was every moment to breathe another breath. And Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them. Wow. Such love. Such love. Such amazing love. The entire human race was there at the crucifixion. Past, present, and future. The death of Jesus was an event that transcended time. Jesus' prayer gave voice to what Jesus was doing on the cross his purpose, his reason. He was offering himself to God, his Father, as an offering of atonement. Put it this way, in this moment, he was both high priest pleading for atonement for the human race and the offering itself. Wow. 
such love. This sacrificial act was for those who had come before and from those who would be in the future, and including all those who actually heard his words that day. In fact, the fact that Jesus devoted this saying, this prayer, while hanging on a cross really tells us a few significant things that we need to understand today. Number one, here's what the statement tells us. It tells us we all need forgiveness. Well, you can do a better amen than that. We all need forgiveness. It wasn't just those around the cross that needed forgiveness. Amen. We all need forgiveness. And our need for forgiveness and God's willingness to give it to us is the, are the two major uh, themes of the Bible. I'm so grateful that our need for forgiveness and God's willingness to provide an answer, God's willingness to give the atonement, God's willingness to pay the price is truly what the Bible is all about. We need forgiveness because we struggle with sin. Sin is a word that many of us in our society today would prefer that we don't even mention. We prefer mistake or slip up. But the Bible's very plain in Romans 3.23. It says, for everyone has what? Everyone has sinned. We all have. Get over yourself. We've all sinned. And we've all fall short of God's glorious standard. See, the Greek and Hebrew words, when they're often translated as sin, uh, the Bible, uh, these words mean to stray from the path or to miss the mark. And the implication is that God has a path for each one of us to live in. And, but many of us want to follow our own path. We want to be our own boss. We want to be in charge of our lives. And instead, we stray from the path that God has for us. Amen. Sin is the best word to describe the quest of power and control and domination, uh, uh, domination over people, the genocide, the cruelty, the inhumanity, the, the bigotry and hate that is behind so much of the suffering that, that we humans experience today. Some suggest that Christians spend way too much time dealing on the subject of sin. It just makes us all feel so guilty. Now, some Christians and some churches, miss, yes, may indeed do that, but that is not the center focus of the gospel. The center focus of the gospel is grace. The center focus of the gospel is God's mercy. Still, you cannot, listen, you cannot appreciate the mercy of God unless you know you need it. And we all need it. We all struggle with doing wrong. We all struggle with wanting to do our own thing. Sin is a problem we never grow out of. There are certain things that the, the more mature you get, the more you hopefully grow out of those attitudes and you grow out of those mindsets and you grow up and mature and you no longer think as a child and, and you become this grown woman and this grown man. But you know, a sin is, is not so, is a problem that we will ever grow out of. It's an ongoing issue in our lives. And when Christianity speaks of sin, the aim is not to make us feel guilty, but to help us discover the grace and healing mercy of God that we so desperately need. Man, that's so good today. Amen? Imagine, please, if, if, if you've been having chest pains, and then you have shortness of breath, and then you have a pain going up and down your arm. Man, your attitude might be, hey, no big deal. Not to worry. It'll pass, right? That might be your thought. But if you were smart, you'd recognize 
you need to go to the emergency room right away because you're most likely having a heart attack, right? So you immediately go to make sure you get checked out. And the doctor comes back and says, sir, ma'am, Man, you, you've got all kind of blockages. We're so glad you came in today, man. You are on the verge of, of not being with us any longer. And, and we got to immediately find out the best way to, to attack this and, and so forth. And we are so glad you came with your heart in the condition that it did, it was in. Would you say, well, that doctor is really overly pessimistic? <laughs> or would you think, man, he's really trying to help me and I'm so glad I came in today, right? Or would you say, you know what, this doctor, he's such a downer. He's so pessimistic, right? He's only looking at the bad side of life, right? And, and, and we would have, oftentimes, somebody might think, well, that's, that's just the way he is. And I'm going to find a doctor who will make me feel good about my heart. Would you think that way? Of course not. You'd be thankful that doctor found the problem and wants to bring the cure through surgery. In a similar way, listen, the gospel's focus is not sin. Amen. Sin is simply the diagnosis, and the gospel focus is on the cure, God's grace, and the gift of salvation. We're not trying to be downers. We're not trying to be negative. We're not trying to make you feel bad right? We're trying to understand there is a diagnosis. There is an issue in our lives. There is something that could kill us. There is something that would change us. There is something that causes us to never reach our full potential. There's something that limits us and stops us from walking in God's highest and best. And I'm so grateful that the divine physician of the universe laid his life down. Amen. So you and me, so you and I can walk in victory and understand there is a problem, but the answer is Jesus. Woo. Hallelujah. Man, that's good news today. Good news. So what else does this first statement of Jesus on the cross tell us? Number two, it tells us forgiveness is a gift. Yeah, we all need forgiveness, but forgiveness is a gift. Jesus was not merely what pointing out our sin. He was praying for God's mercy towards those who sin. What makes this prayer of Jesus so remarkable is he, he prayed for God's mercy to those who were actually standing at the foot of the cross while they were still tormenting him, while they were spitting at him and hurling insults at him, gambling for his very clothes. He prayed in that setting, Father, forgive them. Jesus prayed for them and for us before any one of us, they and us, realized our need while we were in the midst of that state, while we were bound by our sin, Jesus prayed that prayer. And Romans 5 makes it very clear for us. For when the time was right, the anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. Now who of us would dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? Well, we could all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. How many of you are grateful for that today? Yeah that in the midst of our ignorance, in the midst of that's all we knew, 
See, sometimes it's all we know. It's a matter of exposure. If all you are exposed to is a certain lifestyle, if all you are exposed to is is fighting and arguing and being bitter and, and being a bigot, if that's all you know, well, that's all been your exposure. But unless you get exposed exposed to the love of God and the bigness of God and God's lifestyle and God's identity and who God made us to be, let me tell you something, we become limited, don't we? It's all about exposure. I'm a better man today because I've been exposed to so much over my lifetime. And because of exposure, I've grown and I've learned. And we can expose to something terrible and continually pass that on. Or we can be exposed to a, a higher way of thinking and a better way of thinking and, and grow because of our exposure. And oftentimes, it's just a matter of exposure. See, when we see Jesus hanging on the cross with all the sins of the world, all the hatred, all the unfaithfulness, bigotry, poverty, violence, and death that were placed on him. Why? Why were they placed upon him? We were meant to see the costliness of forgiveness. The price. This was costly. Our sin is not a petty thing. The Son of God was crucified for it. Some years ago, we were taking down our Christmas tree and we discovered way in the back of the Christmas tree, somehow it got pushed back a present that we didn't know was there. It was there for, for over a month. And we didn't know it until we took the Christmas tree down. We weren't able to unwrap it. We weren't able to enjoy it. We weren't able to receive it. Why? We didn't know it was there. This is how it is with God's mercy. God has already done everything necessary to save us and forgive us. We don't earn our salvation. It is a pure gift. You can't pay enough money. You can't knock on enough doors. You can't walk in enough walks for AIDS and and breast cancer, as wonderful as that is. And I would encourage you to do all of that. But that does not earn your salvation. Amen. Jesus said it's yours because he paid the price and he gives it to you as a gift. Now it's up to you to open that gift. Man, that gift's been available for thousands of years, and many don't know it, and some are learning about it, and many of you have opened it, and many of you will open it today for the very first time. A gift you didn't know belonged to you because of your guilt and because of your shame. You didn't think, I deserved it. You didn't think, I don't qualify for that. How could he do that for me? I'm not a good person. I'm not a good man. I'm not a good woman. I've gone through so much, but yet, in fact, there's a gift waiting for us because this is how Jesus thinks. He thinks on a whole nother level. Aren't you glad today? See, many people think the Son of God, that, that he was all God on that cross. Let me tell you something. He was a man on that cross. If he was God, amen, what kind of sacrifice would that have been? He was a sinless man on that cross, showing you the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that came to his rescue and came to his aid we have been reconciled to God. God through Jesus has already forgiven us. Our responsibility now is to accept the gift. What amazing love. What amazing love. But last but not least, what does this first statement, this prayer on the cross uh, tell us? We all need forgiveness. Forgiveness is a gift. And number three, it tells us forgiveness should be practiced and freely given to others. Wow. Wow. It's one thing to teach about forgiveness. 
it's a whole other thing to practice it. On the cross, Jesus actually modeled forgiveness in the most difficult circumstances known to another human being. He spoke the prayer out loud to show us how to forgive. Jesus is saying, this is what forgiveness looks like. Maybe you grew up in a family that forgave nobody. We just have more lists for lists. Get more people on our blacklist, more people on the naughty list, people that we don't associate with, people that we don't invite to this party or maybe only that party, and maybe we might see them in passing at funerals, but, but, you know, but Jesus was modeling forgiveness. He was saying, no, 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 that's not the way to live. That's not the way to fight all the time. That's not the way to, that we live our lives. It's not how we raise our kids. It's not how we treat our spouses. That's not how we, how we treat our friends. It's, it's not what we do. It's, it's not the way. Jesus was saying, you, don't wanna, you wanna know what it looks like? Here it is in technicolor, in surround sound. Here's what it is, and here's what forgiveness looks like. When Jesus cried out and said, Father, forgive them. Man, they have no clue what they're doing. The word forgive gives us a clear picture of what was taking place at that moment. Forgive means to release, as in releasing a prisoner or setting someone free from an act they have carried out. It is a decision to not hold something against someone, but rather to liberate a person from the consequences of his or her actions. Wow, what a powerful word. When Jesus cried, when Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. He was saying, Father, release them. Father, do not hold this against them. Father, I know how they feel, and I know the guilt, and I know the shame, and I know all the challenges that go along with that, and how we get stuck, and we get paralyzed, and we get trapped in our pain. But Father, release them from that pain. Release them from that guilt. Release them from that shame. Don't hold it against them, what they did and the people they hurt and how they blew up their family and, and what that abuse has done and all the years of counseling and all the years of frustration and the years of broken relationships and the years of confusion and the years of not being able to, to understand and keep a job and, and, and feel good about oneself. Oh, Father, release them. Father, do not hold this against them. You see, forgiveness is the answer to so much of the pain that we as humans experience. It's the key to relationships. A marriage won't survive very long unless one or both spouses know how to say, I'm sorry, I forgive you. They won't be very close friends or any deep friends, friendships in our lives if we don't learn to say, I'm sorry, forgive me, I forgive you. It holds true in every area of your life. If you hold grudges in business, man, you're going to be the most miserable person to work around. If, if, if you refuse to forgive friends and neighbors, man, you're going to find yourself isolated and lonely for the rest of your life. Let me close with a few questions. Is it hard for you to freely forgive others? Do you hold on to grudges longer than you should? Do you have someone in mind that you need to forgive? See, what I'm well aware of, I was in the first service, and I'm just aware of it now in the second service. There are people that when this message got going, that you thought of someone that you probably should forgive. 
And maybe you began to replay what they did to you or the groups of people, what they said. How unfair that they judge you like that and they don't even know you. What does it mean to release? It means to set them free. It means to no longer hold on to the bitterness or the resentment. It means to fully let go, drop the grudge. Please understand, to release a person means you don't have to confront them. You don't have to repair the relationship or even reconcile the relationship. Because releasing is all about your decision. To, to decision, not about what they did or didn't do. You don't even need to be in a conversation with that person to release them. You can choose to release them anytime you want to. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is not an emotion. It's always a choice, a decision. But if you don't know it's a choice, if you don't know it's a decision, and you put your emotions together with whether or not you can forgive, most likely you'll never be able to forgive. You cannot put forgiveness and your emotion and your pain in the same sentence. This is bigger than your pain. This is bigger than your emotion. And if you can't separate forgiveness or releasing from the emotion of what took place in your life, you'll never be able to begin anew. You'll never be able to go beyond. You'll never be able to reach your full potential. You'll never live life in an abundant way that Jesus died for you. You'll never be able to experience all that he suffered for you. Why would you allow Jesus to suffer like he did, but you don't set yourself up to experience every bit that belongs to you? Think about it today. I know we're not talking about anything easy today. It wasn't easy for what Jesus went through. Neither is it easy for us. So many today, instead of releasing that person, you still find yourself very connected to that person. Amen. Very much holding on and rehearsing what took place. And the grudge only gets deeper and deeper towards that person. Holding on to that grudge is an offense, and that, and, and that offense is, is actually unforgiveness in your life. You got any grudges in your life? I heard it put this way. Holding on to the grudge is like you drinking poison, hoping the other person gets sick. That's exactly what it is today. Oh, pastor, you understand what they did. I probably don't. Pastor, you understand the years of frustration and pain and suffering and shame that I've gone through. I, I get it. But Pastor, you can say it all that you want today, but if you really want to be free, if it's time for you to take it to the next level, if it's time for you now to say, you know what, I can't be stuck in my past. I can't be here. There's too much life to live. There's too much love to discover. There's too many gifts that are inside of me. There's too much money that's waiting for me. There's too much joy that's out there. There's too many people that I need to love and they need to love me. You can stay there if you want to and you can be all by yourself or, or you and somebody else for the rest of your life and hide like a hermit or go move to a mountain or live in some remote area. But you'll never reach the full potential of your joy and of the passion that Jesus died for you that belongs to you and has your name on it today. 
but you're going to have to release yes, at some point. Yes. I can't dictate that time to you, that point to you. That's up to you. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been drinking poison and waiting for somebody else to die? It's time to get rid of the grudges. How can you truly know God's mercy unless you're unwilling to extend mercy? How will you know the love of God to its depths unless you begin to take baby steps and let God's love love through you? See, if you've never forgiven, if you hold on to resentment, your capacity is so limited. Your heart is so small. To the person who's learned to forgive, the person who's learned to release, the person who's learned to go through that painful process, their capacity increases. And the more you love and the more you let go and the more you realize, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the more you have this attitude, the more you expand and your capacity grows. And so you're able to step out more and you're able to do more and you're able to have these divine connections all around the world or in your business or whatever it is that's waiting for you. It all belongs to you. And the question is, are you ready to forgive and release that person? Are you ready to, to, be, to, to learn from what Jesus modeled for us? How he showed us what forgiveness looks like. You want to walk out of here free today? Experiencing the joy that God wants to give you when you're willingly release and forgive others. Oh, I know it's a step. I know there's so many other things that come into play. Just because you release doesn't mean you trust them. Just because you release doesn't mean you're going to hang out and be buddies again. It doesn't mean, you know, you're going to marry them again. It doesn't mean you're going to be, right, uh, you know, go out to dinner every night. It doesn't mean any of that. That's all conditional. I mean, that's different. Releasing is your freedom. It's for you. It's not even for them. It's not about them. It's about you. It's about your freedom. It's about you being able to move on. Amen. has nothing to do with them. You might never have another conversation with them again. And maybe you can't because they're no longer here on earth. But man, you don't have to live in that. You don't have to live the fact that, that you'll never see them again or live the fact that they're, they're, they're in the grave. And, and, and on and on it goes today. It's about you. Amen. Jesus made this about you. It wasn't about someone you'd never met. It wasn't about a stranger. It's about you and you and you and me. Wow. I'm telling you, this series, it's going to wreck you. Studying this series, knowing what's coming next has absolutely in a fresh way, and I've been at this a long time. It has wrecked me in a fresh way. It made me appreciate so much more what Jesus did for me. If you're a person that doubts your salvation, you want to get saved every Sunday, I get it. You want to raise your hand every Sunday. I understand that we want extra prayer and sometimes that's all that that means. But if you're not sure and every Sunday you have to check, am I saved? You need to hear this series. If you're not sure about healing or about God's love or his forgiveness or all the he has in store for you. If you're not sure, I wouldn't miss one part of this series because it will wreck you. It'll go beyond your intellect. It'll be that divine dose right into your soul to impact you in ways you have never been impacted before.
Father, forgive them. Release them. Don't hold us against them, Father. For they know not what they're doing. Let's stand to our feet. Wow. Thank you, Father. Will you do me a favor for just for this moment? It's such a precious moment. Will you raise your hands towards heaven today? Even if you are not used to raising your hands, will you do so? And just be open. Say, Father, thank you for Jesus. Oh, thank you, God, for loving me so much that you would send your one and only son to go through all that for me. Wow. I must be loved. I must be special. And that's exactly who you are. Special. Loved. Valued. Cared for. That's Jesus. That's his attitude towards you today. So, Father, we release our hands and say, Father, make this real to me like never before. If you're hearing it for the hundredth time, make it real again. If you're hearing it for the very first time, make it something so deep that it impacts you for the rest of your life and you'll never, ever think otherwise again. You'll never doubt another day God's utter commitment to you and His perfect plan for your life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Trading the highest place and pay down your crown for me. How great you came. Thank God today. And oh, what a life you gave. You gave a everything that you would die for me. How great a Oh, Father, we bless you today. Thank you for laying your life down for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for setting the example for me. With every head bowed, please, every believer praying with me. We're about to close the service in a few moments. Pastor Tom will come and dismiss us. But before he does, I want to make sure that everyone has this Jesus that I described today alive in your heart. This Jesus that wants to forgive you. This Jesus that wants to heal you. This Jesus that wants you to have a brand new start. A new beginning. Who proved it over and over again. For everything he went through, he prayed that prayer for you today. You say, Pastor, I don't know this Jesus. I'm not sure that my sins are forgiven. I'm not sure heaven is my home. I'm not, I, I'm not sure if I'm right with God. I believe today that could be, that assurance and that confidence can be yours today. Say, Pastor, I don't know him as my Lord. I don't know him in that way. I know him as a historical figure. I know him in, in other ways as a teacher, but not as my Savior, not as my Lord. Pastor, pray for me, please. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand for those 
that that applies to, not because I want to embarrass you or because I'm going to call you forward, but I want you to intentionally say, that's me. And I'm ready. Today's my day to give my life to Jesus. If that's you today, will you raise your hand nice and high so I know who you are? I know who to pray for. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Over here. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Who else? Raise it up high. Thank you, ma'am. I see it. Who else? All the way in the back. I see it. Thank you. Thank you, ushers, for helping me. Yeah, thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Right there. Yes, thank you. Over there, I see it on the side. All the way in the back. God bless you. I see you. I see you up front. God bless you. Who else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Yeah, I see it over here. Good for you. Yep. I see it all the way in the back. Over here. Yep, thank you. Oh, here. Yes, ma'am. I got you. Wow. Thank you, Father. <laughs> what a great miracle today. I never get tired of seeing that today. People saying, yes, I need him. And I know he's available to me. And, and thank God today. What a miracle of all miracles today. What a great miracle that you would give your life to Jesus, that sin's power will be broken over you, that you're forgiven and released to be the best version of you today. If you're joining us online, please pray with us today if this applies to you. And we're all going to pray this prayer together. Pray with me, please. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. It's the real me. There's no hiding me. You know me. And you still love me. Forgive me from my sin. I declare you as my Lord. And I believe by faith. I receive forgiveness. I receive salvation. I receive eternal life. And I will never be the same from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Congratulations to each one of you. God bless you. We're so excited for you. Pastor Tom will give you a few announcements, uh, instructions in just a moment. But one more thing before we go. I can't let this go by. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I do need to release some people. There is a someone. There is a group. Whatever it is, whoever it is, whatever they've done, I, you can say, yeah, I, I'm stuck. I understand how much it hurts. It's time to quit rehearsing it. It's time to release it. It's time to allow what Jesus modeled. Yes, what you've been through is, is terrible. But what Jesus went through, no person has ever gone through. And he was able to say, Father, forgive them. And I believe God gives you the grace and the strength to make that step of faith today and release them. Why don't you bow your heads with me? I'm gonna, we're all going to say this prayer together. But if you're one of those that say, yeah, man, i got to release that person, an ex, a friend, an old pastor, an old person, someone in your past, someone that you cared about, something you didn't expect from a parent, a relative, a neighbor, time to release them today. Say this with me. Lord, today I forgive. 
right there under your breath. Mention their name. Lord, I forgive. I make the choice to release them completely from what they did to me. I will no longer hold on to the pain of their actions against me. It's my desire to walk in the forgiveness. You suffered and died for me. I walk in it today. Help me forgive others as much as you have forgiven me. In Jesus' name, amen. May that be a brand new start for you today. May that be a brand new beginning today as we walk this out together and walk what this means together. Let us help you. Let us be there for you. And I believe God will see you through today. You know, in just a short month, it's Easter. Hard to believe, right? Wow. On your screen, you'll find the times of our Easter service. We have five services. I want you to start beginning to pray for these five services. Begin to pray for the people you are going to invite. Why can't we have the largest group of people we have ever had in the history of IFC? And why can't we have the largest harvest we've ever experienced in the history of International Family Church? For that to happen, I need your help. For that to happen, we need to work together. We need to be a family. We need to be the community that we say we are. Amen. And have the courage to connect with those far from God. April 20th, Saturday, 4 p.m., and Sunday, 815, 9.45, 1 o'clock. Inviter cards will be available next week. And so we look forward to you being with us and for you being a part of what we're doing today. And uh, we thank you for that. Thanks for listening. To stay connected, find out our service times, or how you can get involved, please visit intlfamilychurch.com for more information. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can do that is simply by sharing this podcast and connecting with us online. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.